Our scripture passage today comes from the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 28, verses 1 to 10. Before we read this, let's pause for a moment in prayer. Good and heavenly Father, the giver of all good things in our life, and the giver also of the word that directs us, the word that dwells within our hearts, and the word that you have given, given Lord, written down in ink and paper. And Holy Scripture, through the prophets, through the apostles, through your Holy Spirit. Father, as we approach your word, we know we can understand none of these things written here unless the same Spirit that inspired these words would inspire us now. So we pray you breathe that Holy Spirit now upon our hearts and our minds that we may hear, that we may read, that we may understand. Lord, bless this holy reading of your holy word, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 28, verses 1 to 10. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold... There was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow, and for fear of him the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and a great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
feet he carried my sins far away. tough act to follow. It's not fair, really. It's also kind of awkward being back there with nothing to play, you know. I'm like that guy in the band who's got a horn, but it's not a song. They're playing the horn, and he just has to, like, dance back there, you know. Thank you all for that. Thank you very much. So I got a question for you. Has anyone ever had to do a trust fall? You know what I'm talking about? The trust fall. It's, uh, it's a time where you get, well, somebody you trust, a few people to stand behind you, and you kind of fold your hands up, and you just fall back. And you trust that they'll catch you. Now, if you want to do a real trust fall, you do it from like up here, where there's a height. And there's, like again, people you trust, hopefully friends that don't have anything against you. And you have your back turned to them, and you just fall back. You trust that they're going to catch you. I was going to demonstrate it today, but, you know, with all the flowers and the table, I was about to do it, though. I was ready. I do trust you. But that's the whole concept of a trust fall. And, you know, you know if you're doing this, usually they do it like at like work retreats, you know, group building exercises, so you get to trust everybody. And if you've ever done it, when you're standing there about to fall back, you know they're going to catch you. You know they are. They wouldn't do something as, as devious and underhanded as to let you fall and crack your head on the floor. You know it. But even as you fall back, there's just a little bit of doubt. A little bit of fear because they might let you fall. Now, heavy metal fans have their own version of a trust fall. It's called a stage dive. And they'll actually get and dive off the stage and they trust that the crowd has got to hold their hands up and catch them. And it really is trust because every once in a while, the crowd decides not to catch you. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they coordinate it. But all at once, like a school of fish, they make a hole and they let that one guy splat. Makes the stage dive very interesting. It's always hard to get rid of that little bit of fear, that little bit of doubt. Because in a trust fall, what we're really doing we're giving away control. We're giving away our control and we're giving it the control of our bodies into holding us up to somebody and we're not even seeing them for the moment that we're falling back. See, we trust ourselves, right? We, we know what we're going to do. And we know even when we can't trust ourselves. When someone says, here, take this peach cobbler to your wife. I say, no. You cannot trust me around the peach cobbler. I know what I'm going to do. But we're never 100% sure what other people will do. My daughter likes to do the trust fall. 
she'll stand up on the ottoman in our living room and make me get back and stand back and catch her. But the first time she did it, it was a very harrowing experience for her. And she trusted me, but she didn't want to do it. She was scared to do it. I said, Mary Mac, do you not trust me? And she was getting so upset, she was almost in tears. She said, yes, but I'm just still afraid. It's a little bit of fear remains, even if somebody we trust, because we have to give up control. Now, the same is true of God. I mean, we know we can trust God. You know you can trust God. I know we can trust God. We can, we can trust God more than we can trust anybody else in the entire universe. But still, trust Him completely means losing control. And, and we hate that, even if it means giving that control to God. But the truth is, if we could do that, if we could give that control to God, that perfect trust and control to God, an amazing thing would happen in your life. You could live without fear. No fear. No fear in your life. You could go through life totally unafraid, not fearing anything that may happen to you. And that is when we have complete trust and utter absolute faith in God. Now, I say that the last few weeks here at Cherokee, we've been talking about living by faith, what it means to live by faith. And to live by faith means to take what we believe, what we confess that we believe about God, about Christ, about the Holy Spirit, about the church, and make that the guiding force in our life. And it contrasts with living with faith, whereas you just believe all this stuff that we say here in church, but it makes no difference, no impact or change in your life at all. What we believe should matter. What we say we believe, it should matter. It should matter more than anything else in our life at all. What we believe about Christ, about God, should matter the most. It should form a God and be the sole direction and foundation for our life. And we've been talking about a lot of different things we believe. And how what those beliefs translate into action in our life. How we live by faith. And today, today's the day we talk about the very foundation of our faith. The heart and soul of the Christian confession. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. This is the beginning, and this is the end of our faith. This confession, Christ is risen, makes the church. Christ is risen, that confession makes a person a Christian. And actually, it's more powerful than that. Christ is risen is what makes Christ Savior. It's what makes Christ Lord. We can't have a Lord and Savior a Savior from death and Savior from sin, unless that Lord and Savior conquered sin and death. He can't be the Christ without the resurrection. He can't be the Lord without the resurrection. We can't be Christians without Christ as our Lord. If we live by faith, we live by faith that Jesus is risen. 
We live by faith that Jesus is Lord. And the way we live out that faith, the way and the manner in which we live out our faith in the resurrection is to live without fear. Is to live without fear. Because if we truly believe, if we truly and honestly believe into the depths of our heart and soul that Jesus has risen, if we truly believe in all the promises our Lord has given us, all the promises that Christ made to us, then we should live without a shred of fear in our life. If we believe these things that we say we believe, if we truly believe them, then we can do the trust fall with God. We can do the trust fall with our very lives. Spread our arms out wide. Fall back without fear into the arms of the Father, knowing that the Father will always, always catch us. It's true. If we believe this, then we have no reason to fear. Because if Jesus died and Jesus really rose, then he took away the greatest reasons that we have to fear. He took away the greatest reasons we have to be afraid. I mean, think about us. Why are we afraid of things in the first place? Why are we afraid? What kind of things are we afraid of? I mean, we, we could sit here and make a list all day of the things we're afraid of. We're afraid of crime. We're afraid of war. We're afraid of getting in a car accident. We're afraid of catching a disease. We're, we're afraid of storms. We're afraid when the power goes out. We're afraid that one day we might lose our house. We're afraid that one day we might have to go hungry. Perhaps our greatest fear, if you have children, is something might happen to your children. But the heart of all those fears, and the reason behind all those fears, is that something external, something apart from us, is going to overpower us. It's going to overpower us. It's going to overpower us to such an extent that it can upset and change and rearrange our life or, heaven forbid, it actually might cause us pain. It might cause us a, a discomfort to such a degree as that we may never recover from it again. It's that, it's that control thing again. Something outside of our control, another driver, a disease, a foreign army, the stock market, gangs, riots, things that are outside of our control, things that we can't move or, or alter at all, they'll break into our lives and change or hurt things radically. Of course, the biggest fear we have is death. All right, death, that's the, that's the greatest hurt of all. That's where we pass into that great unknown. Or as Shakespeare said, that the undiscovered country from whose born no traveler has ever returned. What's so scary about death is not only the unknown part, but we're powerless to stop it. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. We can delay it for a while, right? You can exercise and eat right and wear your seatbelt and quit smoking, all that good stuff. But all you can do really is delay it for a little bit. We can't stop it. It's coming to us one day, one way or another, whatever we do. Now, if there's a fear bigger 
than the fear of death. It's the fear of the wrath of God. Because if we really think about it, ooh, there's nothing more powerful in the universe than a God, especially an angry God. Against something like that, we are more than helpless. We are utterly like infants in his hands. That's why Jesus warned us. He says, why would you fear man? The only thing man can do is, is kill you. And as bad as that is, after that's done, he can do no more to you. He said, what you really should fear is fear God. Because not only can God take your life, but after that, when you come before his throne, he can take your soul and cast it into hell. That's somebody you should really be afraid of. And being before God, we're completely out of our power. Completely and utterly in his power. If he decides he's angry with us, if he decides he's displeased with us, what can we do? We can't run. We can't hide. We can't overpower him. We can't appeal to a higher power or to a greater justice than his. We can plead for mercy, maybe. We're powerless. Powerless into the face of the anger and wrath of God. But here's where the good news comes in. I'm not here to bring you down today. This is Easter Sunday, right? This is where the good news comes in. Both those fears, the greatest fears we have, fear of death and the fear of God, Jesus removes both of them in three days' work. In three days' work, He's completely taken those fears away. By His death, He satisfied the righteous anger of God. By His death, He paid for our sins, so we no longer need fear the anger of God. The anger of God has been satisfied. He's no longer angry with you. He's no longer angry with me. He has nothing but love and grace for us. Thanks be to Christ. And by His resurrection, Jesus has defeated death itself. Death couldn't hold Him. It tried His best. It killed him, it put him in the grave, and three days later, he rose again from the dead, thanks be to Christ. And in conquering death, he gave you victory over death. And he made this promise. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And any who believes in me, though he may die, yet he shall live. My friends, if we believe this, we have no reason to be afraid. If we believe this, we have nothing to fear. And you and I now, believing this and believing in our hearts, and I know we do, we can now live our lives without fear. Which is what we do, right? Nobody's afraid of anything. Never. Let's be honest, though. Let's be honest. Let's be frank and open with one another. We're still afraid. I'm still afraid. I'm still afraid of needles. That's a frightening thing. Something that small shouldn't hurt that much. We still do fear. I fear, you fear, I know we do. Even though Christ has taken the sting out of that fear, we're still afraid. It has not eliminated our fear. We're left a little bit of confused. Why, if we believe this and we know we shouldn't fear, why are we still afraid? In the epistle of John, the apostle says, Perfect love cast out fear. Perfect love cast out all fear. You say perfect. That would explain my fear. My love is far from perfect. My love is in fact in quite imperfect. 
You want proof of that? Just ask my family. They bear the burden of my imperfect love on a daily basis. In the same way, perfect faith cast out all fear. If you were just have to have perfect faith and leave not a shred of doubt in your soul, you would have no fear in your life. Ah, there's that word perfect again. My faith is far from perfect. Which explains why I still am afraid. But as much as we believe, we fear less. As much as you trust in God, your fear disappears. It's almost like this perfectly balanced formula. The more fear you have, the less faith you have. The more faith and trust you have in God, the less fear you will have over anything else in life. That's what he asked us to do. To believe in him, to trust in him. Jesus said, do not fear, only believe. It's giving up the control. That's the hard part. The hard part of trusting God is giving him up all control in life, doing that spiritual trust fall with God. It's asking a lot to give all our power into him. That's exactly what God asks what exactly Christ asked of us when he asked us to believe. And it's a struggle. I know it's a struggle. You know it's a struggle. And I struggle like everybody else. Just being a preacher doesn't exempt me from moments of fear and doubt. And everybody that I've known has struggled with faith and against doubt and with fear. And if, I've never met anyone that doesn't. And if I were to meet someone that says they've never struggled with their faith at all and always had perfect faith and trust in God, I probably wouldn't believe them. But the older I get, and hopefully the wiser I get, I learn to realize maybe that's the point. Maybe we're supposed to struggle with faith. Maybe that's why we're here on earth. You and I together living this faith out. As we are supposed to engage in the struggle of faith. Maybe that's the purpose of our life here. To take up what Paul calls the good fight of faith. Maybe that's why there's such military language in the Bible. All throughout it, we talk talks about a struggle, about a war, about a fight, about contending against that power and this power. Even though it is a religion of peace, it talks a lot about war and struggle. Is why we're here to engage in this great fight, this battle, this this struggle to have faith and trust and to believe in God. And in this battle, we face the greatest enemy a human being can ever face. Our own fear. We face the enemy of our own fear. And at the heart of that fear is that desire to control, desire to be in charge, to know and to be the one that directs our life and controls the thing that happened to us, that pride that long ago in the garden gave into the temptation, you can be like God. What faith asks us to do is to give it up. To give all of that up and not only believe what the eyes can't see, but trust with your life in what the eyes can't see.
living without fear. Supreme act of faith. Total trust in God with your life. Seems impossible. But imagine a life without fear. Do that for a second. Just sit back and think for a moment and imagine what it would be like to live a life without fear, to never be afraid another day, another moment in your life. Think about that. The mountains could shake. The economy tumbles. Crime spikes. War invades your neighborhood. The next pandemic breaks out. Grocery stores run low. Gas prices run high. Nobody knows what's next. Riots in the streets. Cities falling apart. Everybody seems to be going crazy. But you're able to sit in the middle of that storm while the world goes mad around you. And you can watch with perfect serenity and trust in God. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Sounds nice to think that you could be able to do that. And you think it's not in your power, don't you? You think, there's no way I can do it that's not in your power. And you're right. It's not in your power. But it is within the power of your faith. Maybe not today. Maybe not today where you have the perfect love and perfect faith to cast off all fear. But if you engage in the struggle of faith... If you engage in the struggle to live by faith, then you're going to fear the next storm a little bit less than you feared the last. And you'll fear the storm that comes after that one a little bit less than the one that came before it. And if you trust God, and if you strive to practice that trust, to live that trust and faith out, and it won't be perfect, you practice it out, you struggle, you engage in that struggle for faith. If you do that, your faith will increase. It will get stronger. And if we believe in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can begin to live a life without fear. And I'm going to make a prophecy for your life. I'm going to prophesy over every single one of you here today. One day, one day you're going to trust completely. You will. You hear it here now. One day you will trust completely. One day you will trust absolutely. And on that day, you'll open your arms wide and fall into the arms of the Father. Knowing that the Father will never let you fall. To God be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.